Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. We're going to do the third uh, message today on learning from the prayers of Jesus. There's so much to learn from the life of Jesus. There's just so much. I mean, Jesus was the central figure of all Christianity. He is the central figure of all Christianity. And if we can just follow his example and try to walk in his footsteps, we'll be okay, won't we? And it's so great to be able to have a role model like Jesus Christ. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is my role model. Tell them, Jesus is my role model. Hallelujah. John chapter 17 and verse 9 is where we're going to start. And it's just a, a scripture here, and, I, and we'll go back, and we'll actually end up back there later on in the teaching this morning. But it pretty much encapsulates what we're going to be talking about today. This was Jesus saying this. He said, I pray for them. Somebody say, that's us, or that's me. I pray not for the world, but for them, that's us, which thou hast given me for God they're yours. They belong to you. So Jesus' declaration there in John chapter 17 and verse number 9, he said this. He said, I'm praying for them. And right now I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. That would be us. Because they belong to you, God. They're mine or they're thine. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can gather together around your word and just learn things pertaining to your life, to the life of Jesus. I pray that you would guide me to be able to effectively communicate your word. I pray that you would touch the ears of the hearers to hear, the hearts to receive, that our understanding would be open, that our spirits would be receptive, that we would be able to take what we learned today as life application and use it this week and, yes, for the rest of our lives as we realize how much Jesus loves us and that he's praying for us. We give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. In the first message in this series, we talked about the model prayer that Jesus gave. It was his teaching outline on prayer. We know it as the Lord's Prayer. And then in our second message, we discussed three different prayers that Jesus prayed. We talked about his prayer at his baptism. We talked about his prayer before he multiplied multiplied the five loaves and the two fish, and then we talked about his prayer on the mountain of transfiguration. Now today, we're going to talk about how that Jesus prayed for his disciples. We're going to talk about the prayer that Jesus prayed when he raised Lazarus from the dead and the purpose of that prayer, because the Bible specifically states the very purpose of that prayer. And then today, we're also going to kind of talk about the prayer that Jesus prayed for us. So today we're going to talk about where he prayed for his disciples. We're going to talk about where he prayed to raise Lazarus from the dead for the community. And then we're going to talk about how that he prayed for us and he's still praying for us. Now in Luke chapter 6, in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12, the scriptures show us here, Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12, it says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom he also named 
apostles. So we talked about in our first, in our first lesson, in our first teaching, about how that Jesus had select places that he liked to pray. Jesus liked to draw away to pray. One of the places that Jesus liked to go pray was to the mountains. King David said it like this. He said, I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I learned a long time ago as a little boy, if we can get close to nature, we can get close to God. Because we're close to his creation. And everything that God has made is perfect. And so when we take a walk in the woods and we look around at the grass and the flowers and the trees and we hear the running streams and the brooks and we see the deer run and, and, uh, uh, and, and the snakes go across our path and things like that. Uh, God made it. God made them all. God made it all. And so we're close to him. Now the Bible said he withdrew himself into a mountain because he needed to hear from God. He needed a place of solitude. He needed a place where he could get wisdom from the Lord. And so he went there to the mountain and the Bible said that he prayed all night to God. All night long. All night long. The next day, he gathered his disciples to him and of all the disciples that were following Jesus, Jesus chose 12 leaders out of those people and he called them the apostles. Now, this lets us know, we realize Jesus was the central figure or is the central figure of all Christianity. We realize that he's, his, he's our role model. And so, it, what can we glean from this? What can we learn from this? And I think it's this. I think that before we make life-altering decisions, we need to talk to God about it. Those 12 disciples that Jesus chose from that multitude that was with him. And of course, we know the Bible says that he was walking along and he called Simon and Peter and said, come follow me, come follow me. Jesus was telling a whole bunch of them to come follow him. But there came a time when it was time for the selection process. And Jesus knew because he was God's son and he knows our end from our beginning. And Jesus knew that the rise or the fall of the church was going to be on the shoulders of these 12 individuals. And so he spent all night long praying and asking God for wisdom, and the next day he chooses them. How much trouble could we avoid if we would pray before we would make life-altering decisions? So many times, and, and we, you know, we, we go to these conferences and whatnot, and we listen to what people say, and they'll say, you know, get a piece of paper out and write the pros here and write the cons here and write all of these. Does that fit with your purpose? Does that fit with your vision? All of that kind of thing like that. But very few of those places have I heard and pray about it. And pray about it. Well, pray about it should be, the top thing on the ladder. It should be the, the, the number one thing that we do. Listen, before you, make, before you make a decision on who to marry, pray about it. Before you make a decision on an investment, pray about it. Before you make a decision on a house to buy, pray about it. Before you decide what kind of car to buy, pray about it. Pray about it. You say, well, maybe I can't hear God. Well, sometimes it's difficult to hear God, but if we pray about it, then God's involved in the process and he can be actively involved in the process and we may not hear him with our ears, but we can turn around later and look and see where he was involved in the process. Pray about it. Pray about it. Jesus prayed all night long, 
chose his disciples because he knew that there was a life-altering decision getting ready to be made, and so he prayed about it. And then we go on to Luke chapter 10 and verse number 21, and the Bible says this, it says that when Jesus' disciples returned from their ministry trip, that Jesus prayed for them. He prayed for them during ministry, and he prayed for them when they were returning from ministry. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 21. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 21 says this. In that hour Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. And then he goes on and he prays. But he's talking about how that they, they experienced the power of God when they went out. And so he prayed for them. Now look in Isaiah. Now it's important for us to understand that when God guides us, he never sends us out alone. You're not alone. Touch your neighbor right now and say, you're not alone. God's never going to ask you to be involved in something and, and then just walk off and leave you. That's not the way God operates. Now look in Isaiah 43, verses 2 through 3. And this is in the message translation. And I can read it in King James, and you can read it in King James later if you want to. But I really like the way the message translation puts it because it's very simple. It says this, When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> when you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it will not be a dead end. This is the message translation. And here's the reason. Because I am God, your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I own you. Well, it doesn't say I own you in the message translation. Sure it does. It says I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown in. Hallelujah. What do you think redemption means? To be redeemed means that we were purchased out of a slave market as if being purchased out of a slave market of sin. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then he purchased you. He ransomed you from sin. He redeemed you from sin. You belong to God. You're God's property. The devil doesn't have a right to mess with you or mess with your stuff. You belong to God. God owns you. God owns you. And so Jesus prayed for his disciples. And, uh, and when he prayed for his disciples, he prayed before he chose them. He prayed for them while they was involved in ministry. And then he let us know, I'm never going to send you out alone. There's other places in the scripture, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you go through the waters, I'll be with you. If you go through trouble, I'll be with you. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, nakedness, peril, or sword. Nay, in all these things, you are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He's saying... I'm not going to leave you. He said, lo, I am with you always, even in the high places. But lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And you said, no, it don't mean like lo. I know, but it's just good. He's with us in the high places. He's with us in the low places. He said in, in the book of Isaiah that he'll cause the mountains to become plains and the valleys to become exalted and the crooked places straight. Who does he do that for? The righteous. 
He does that for his property. You're God's property. God owns you. So he's not going to leave you alone. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25 that Jesus is actively praying for us right now. He's making intercession for us. So then the second thing that I want to talk to you about is Jesus prayed at the tomb of Lazarus. And we can go over to Luke chapter 11. Go there if you would please. Luke chapter 11 on maybe on your uh, device or uh, if you've got the old page Bible like I have here. Uh, Luke chapter 11 verses 41 and 42. Jesus was praying at the tomb of Lazarus. I think that's the... I think I may have gotten the wrong scripture there. That might be, let me look here real quick, okay? Sometimes I do that. I'll get to going in my office and I'll write down the wrong book or something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say it happens to us all. Amen. It's John 11. It's not Luke 11. It's John 11. All right. Amen. John chapter 11, verses 41 through 42. This is Jesus praying at the tomb of Lazarus. Here's what he says. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard from me, or you've heard of me. You've heard me. I knew that thou hearest me always because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. Now, there's a few things about this prayer that I want to point out, the prayer of Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. First of all, notice that Jesus made the statement before Lazarus was raised from the dead. He said, Father, I know that you hear me. He wasn't waiting for Lazarus to come forward, being raised from the dead, to say, oh, God heard me. No, before he actually prayed and gave the command for Lazarus to come forth, he began by saying, Father, I thank you that you hear me when you pray. I told you last week, and it may have been actually last Wednesday night, I told you that every single time that you pray, God hears you. Actually, it was Wednesday night because I was talking about the way that God answers prayer. Sometimes God answers yes. Sometimes God answers yes, but you're going to have to wait a while. Sometimes God answers uh, and says yes, but the answer is going to be totally unexpected the way you're going to receive it. Sometimes God just says no, and that's when people say, well, God's not answering my prayer. Yes, he did. He just said no. He just said no. You know, and then I talked about how that sometimes we get a no and it seems like it's a yeah, it seems like a no, but really later on we find out that it was a yes. Jesus was a faith man. Jesus prayed by faith. Jesus said before they rolled away the stone, or Jesus said before Lazarus came forth, he said, He said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know that you hear me. Jesus was a faith man. The emotions were there. We find the, the, the shortest verse of the Bible in this area. It says this. It's two words. It says, Jesus wept. The emotions were there. Jesus was experiencing sorrow. 
Jesus was experiencing grief. Jesus was dealing with questions. People were saying, why did you show up? You're four days late. Jesus said, roll away the stone. They said, he's been dead so long, he's stinking now. Jesus said, roll away the stone. Preached a message years ago. They still talk about it in Kentucky called, don't let the stink stop you. <laughs> but he said, roll away the stone. When they rolled away the stone, Jesus said, Lord, I know that you hear me when you pray. Jesus was a faith man. Now, I think it's important for me to kind of go down this track for just a few moments. There is a huge difference in faith and mental assent. Some people confuse faith with mental assent. You say, Pastor, what is the difference? Well, mental assent is knowledge. It says this. It says, God, I know you can. Faith says, God, I know you did. So there's a difference there. Mental assent, God, I know you can, will cause us to plead with God, and that will feed our doubt. Faith says, God, I'm going to pray your word because you said in your word that you've already done this and I pray it by faith and I receive it by faith. And faith, instead of causing us to plead with God, causes us to stand on the promises of the word of God. There is a difference between having faith and having mental assent. Jesus knew that God was getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was listening to all kinds of things. Well, you're here four days too late. Why didn't you come? Jesus was experiencing emotions. He was crying. He was weeping. He was listening to Lazarus' sister saying, don't move that stone, he stinks. It's not the first time a sister has said her brother stinks. <laughs> don't move that stone. He stinks. Jesus said, roll the stone away. And they rolled the stone away. Jesus prayed and he said, Father, I know that you hear me when you pray. And then later on, the Bible said, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. He made his declaration of faith that God heard him. And then he cried with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. Now, let me get a little preacher here for just a moment, okay? It's a good thing he didn't just say, come forth, because Abraham would have come forth, and Isaac would have come forth, and David would have come forth. Why? Because he had the power inside of him to raise the dead. He had to identify Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth bound in grave clothes, and the next thing that Jesus said was, loose him and let him go. And they unwound him and loosed him and let him go and I'm sure went and cleaned him up and then they went over to his house and people witnessed the miracle. Now here's what Jesus said about that when he was praying. He said, Father, I thank you that you heard me and I, know, and I knew that you heard me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that it's you that sent me to do this. Let me say this loud and clear. All glory always goes to God. All glory. All glory. If you're involved in a church and you're involved in a ministry that's involved in personally trying to promote a personality other than the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you in the wrong place. Those of you that's watching, you're in the wrong place. There should be only one star. This is not a Broadway show. This is not a gathering where we gather together to entertain. This is a worship place. This is where we gather together to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the great I am. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am, listen, I'm a disciple just like you are. I'm a devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ just like you are. I'm just fulfilling my part of the body of Christ. But you need to fulfill your part of the body of Christ too. You need to be a worshiper. You need to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. You need to operate your faith. You need to realize that God is no respecter of persons. And the same thing that he done for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob he'll do for you. The same thing he did for your grandma and grandpa he'll do for you. The same thing he's doing for Pastor Jonathan he'll do for you because he's God and God all by himself. I told you I'm going to get a little preachy. Jesus said when he was praying he said God I know that you know that I know that I hear you when I pray but I said it out loud because I want these people around here to learn that all the glory always goes to you, God. Amen, amen. And that, Jesus said this. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. We can gather together. We can study administration. We can study church programs. We can study all of the different things that we need to do to try to help a church grow. But I've always said, and I believe it to my core, that the best church growth program you will ever find is Jesus Christ exalted. That's it. People are attracted to Jesus. So this was a very public prayer. Then the last prayer that I want to talk to you about this morning, see how we're doing on time here. The last prayer that I want to talk to you about this morning is the prayer that Jesus prayed for us. And this is John 17 and verse number nine. It says this, we'll just start in verse number nine. It says, I pray for them or for us. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me for they are yours. In verse number 3 of John chapter 17, if you'll go there because we're going to be in John chapter 17 for the rest of the message. In John chapter 17 and, and verse number 3, here's what the scriptures say. It says, And this is eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So in verse number 3, we see where Jesus was praying that we may know God and also know him. This is a personal prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father for us. He said, first of all, I want them to know, I want them to know you, God. I want them to have a relationship with you like we have God. I want them to know me. Because if he said this to the disciples, he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if we get to know Jesus, we get to know God. Right? Jesus is the head of the church. We're the body of the church. The Bible calls us the body of Christ and calls him the head of the church. So we need to get to know how the head thinks. We need to get to know what's on God's mind. And I'll tell you what's on God's mind and what's on Jesus' mind is you. You and I and lost people all around the world, that's on the mind of Jesus. So he declared that he had glorified God and he communicated to humanity that God was real and that God was in charge. That's what he was doing as he began to pray. And then Jesus began to pray for us starting in verse number 11. Jesus prayed for us to have unity with God. He said, keep them and make them one as we are one. 
And then you go down to verse number 13, and here's what the Word of God says. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus prayed for you that you would have joy, that you would live a joy-filled life. He was praying for you. He was praying for me. Now, the enemy will come and try to steal everything that God gives us. The enemy will attack you. He'll fight you. He'll try to destroy you. He'll try to discredit you. He'll do character assassination campaigns against you. He'll do anything that he can to try to destroy your joy. But you need to understand, devil, this isn't going to work. I'm God's property, and Jesus prayed that I would have joy, so I'm going to have the joy of the Lord, which gives me strength. Now, that brings me to the point. Why would he pray that we have joy? Here's why. So we can be strong. Some people think I'm kind of crazy sometimes. Because in the middle of a battle, sometimes I'll just start laughing. I can't explain why. The only thing I'm possessed with is the Holy Ghost. And the Word. I'm addicted to the ministry, to the Word of the Lord. But in the middle of the battle, sometimes I'll just start laughing. How come you can do that? How, can, how in the world can you laugh when all of this stuff is going on around you? Because my identity isn't wrapped up in my circumstances. My identity is wrapped up in who owns me. Here we go. In him I live. And in him I move, and in him I have my being. He guides me, he directs me. The Bible said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So let God saturate you with joy. Let him fill you with joy. It's okay to laugh. Look at your neighbor and go, hee, 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 hee. Now, there's some real laughter. See there? Why'd you have us do that? Because sometimes you have to face it till you make it. My mother-in-law's a pro at this. Life will get boring, and we'll be sitting in the living room, and she'll start, she'll work up a laugh. <laughs> Before long, everybody's laughing. And then she really gets tickled because we're laughing, and then she starts snorting. I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm going to have to go eat in a few minutes. <laughs> but he prayed in verse number 13. Jesus prayed and he said that my joy might be in them. He didn't say just any joy. He said the joy I have in me. God, take the joy that you have given to me and put it in them. And then he goes on. I want you to see the, re the reason because Jesus reasoned it out in the next few verses here. And, and, and he said this, he said in verse number 14, he said, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. And he said, I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil that's in the world. And the way he keeps us from the evil in the world is while people are hating us, he just gives us joy. So to all my haters, 
hate on. You're feeding my joy. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And there's a lot of them. Okay. Then we go on here. Then verse number 16, Jesus said, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then verse number 17, Jesus prayed this. He said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Now, Jesus is praying for us. That word sanctified means to set apart for a holy purpose or to set apart for a specific purpose. So Jesus actually prayed for you that you would be set apart by God for a specific purpose and the way that you would be set apart is through truth. You would learn the truth. Here's what the Word of God says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's in John chapter 8. I've learned something about the truth. The truth will always have its day. That's what I've learned about the truth. Sometimes people spin things in crazy ways. But be quiet and let the Lord fight your battle. Because what will happen is the enemy will try to get you sidetracked fighting something that really doesn't matter so he can get your focus on where God's got you going. So what we've got to do is we've got to say, you know what, God? I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to keep my focus, and I'm going to keep my joy because I know that you prayed that you would set me apart for a specific purpose, and you're going to do that by your truth. And so, Lord, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to believe the truth. I'm going to listen to the truth, and I'm going to live in the truth. The truth. Why? Because the truth will set you Free, hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. The truth is powerful. Amen. The truth is powerful. Sometimes battles can go on for years, but the truth will prevail. Amen. Keep your heart right. Keep your spirit right. Keep your attitude right. Quit trying to defend yourself. Let the word be your defense. Let God be your defense. You focus on experiencing joy. You focus on enjoying life. You find, Listen, every day that you waste pouting because of what somebody said about you, hurt your little feelings, is a day you can't get back. I'm going to spend those days more wise. All right, Jesus prayed, verse 20, that all would receive him, that's us. Verse 23, Jesus prayed for divine unity with the Father again. Verse 24, Jesus prayed that we would see his glory that was given to him by the Father. So he wanted us to experience the ambience of God, the presence of God. The glory of God is the fullness of God. It's the fullness of a thing, okay? And then in verse number 26, it says this, Jesus prayed that the love of God would be in us as it was in him. So he prayed that we would be in love. So in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed a very specific prayer for you and I. Let's run over it real quick, all right? First of all, he prayed for us. He said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for those that are called by, your, by my name. And he prayed that we may know God and also know him. He prayed that we would have unity with God. He prayed that we would have joy he prayed that we would be delivered from the evil that's in the world through joy. 
He prayed that we would be set apart, sanctified by truth. He prayed once again that we would have divine unity with the Father and, and that, we, that all of us would receive him. He prayed that we would receive him as he is. Verse 24, he prayed that we would see his glory and experience his glory. And then last of all, he prayed that the love of God would be in us as it was in him. That love is a sacrificial love. It's a compassionate love. It's an uncompromising love. It's love without limits. Love without limits. He prayed for us. Jesus, think about this is praying for you right now. Right now. Jesus is praying for you. And just think, Jesus even prayed for you, Sean. Probably took him a little longer with you than it does other people, but he still prayed for you. Who knows? I love Sean. I love to pick on him. Jesus prayed for you. The next time the devil beats you down and tries to defeat you and tries to des destroy you and tries to discourage you and tries to make you feel like you're less than all of that, the next time he beats you down, tries to beat you down, you need to pull your shoulders back. You need to hold, hold up your head high and realize Jesus prayed for me. This isn't nothing but background noise. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, the devil can only produce background noise. Tell them background, just, just background noise. That's all it is. It's just background noise. We're going to trust God. We're going to believe God. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against us will prosper. I've been telling you, the word of God doesn't say the weapon wouldn't be formed. It just says it wouldn't prosper. So no weapon formed against you will prosper. And then it goes on and it tells you what kind of weapon it is. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You're an overcomer. Jesus prayed for you. And according to Hebrews chapter 7, Jesus is still praying for you. Amen. Now, let's all stand. It's God's greatest desire for us to get to know God. Do you know what God wants more than anything else? I'm going to let you know. Anybody know what God wants more than anything else? God craves relationship with humanity. He didn't want to be alone anymore. So he made the earth. The devil doesn't own the earth. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. The devil's in no man's land. Stuck between heaven and the earth. He tries to wreak havoc on the earth, but he doesn't own it. When he, when he promised Jesus all that stuff, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world and all of those kinds of things, they weren't his to give. They weren't his to give. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. I'm going to say it again. You're God's property. You belong to God. The devil doesn't have a right to wreak havoc in your life. He doesn't have a right to mess with you. Surrender to joy. Surrender to love. Surrender to the glory of God that's trying to be revealed. Surrender to the prayer that Jesus prayed. 
over you. So God craves relationship. And obviously that relationship begins with us making Jesus the Lord of our life. Now when heads are bowed and eyes are closed, everyone please, I want to just take a moment here and I want to give you the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. The Word of God tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. The only ones who are righteous now are those who were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we give our life to Jesus, the Bible said that old things are passed away and all things have become new. There's a spiritual term that the Bible uses. It's called being born again. That talks about a brand new start. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a, go back to being a little baby in your mother's womb. Nicodemus asked that question. It means that God will make all things new. So maybe up to this point, your life hasn't necessarily been what you felt like that God wanted it to be. And maybe you've realized today, you know, I need God in my life. Well, I want to help you with that right now. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, the Bible said that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 6, 23, it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That tells us we have a choice. We choose death or we choose life. 1 John chapter 1, the Bible says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no one who will be more faithful to you than God. He is just. We may not always understand His ways, and many times that's because we don't understand His will for our lives. But if we live the surrendered life, and we surrender to His will for us, and we surrender to His way for us, then our end can be better than our beginning because the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord and God delights in their way. So I want to invite you to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life today, to be the Savior of your soul. You say, how do I do that? Well, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. You, you mean this from your heart. You can say it in your version. You don't have to do it in King James Version, New International Version. Pray it in your language, the way that you talk to God. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. I do believe that you're the Son of God and that you died on Calvary for me and you rose again the third day. And now today, I ask you to be the Savior of my soul and the Lord of my life. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer according to the Word of God, you've become born again. Some people experience all kinds of emotions. They feel the weight of the world come off of them. They say they feel light like a feather. And then there's other people that say, I don't feel any different at all. Until six months down the road and they turn around and look that Jesus made that change in their life. So I want to encourage you today that if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it from your heart, I want to know about it. Send me an email. Send me a Facebook message. Look for me on Instagram, on Twitter. 
put a little note uh, back at the Welcome Center. Let them know so they can take down your information. We want to communicate with you. We want to try to be a blessing to you and to help you in your newfound faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Amen? Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at wwwsuncoast 4 and that's the number four, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.